been right. And so I thank you for being here last week, and I thank you for being here this morning. We start a brand new series. As you can see, we just went through a portrait of a healthy church, and now we're going to talk about a portrait of a healthy family. What does it mean to be a healthy family? Now, for some of you, you say, well, I don't have a family. Well, sure you do. It's not just about being married or having kids or being in a certain stage of life. This, this series is for every single one of us. So whether you're young or old, married or divorced, widowed or single, a single parent or a grandparent or whatever the case may be, this series will have something for each and every one of us. And I hope that you will make a point to attend. And as I think about uh, the, the name, A Portrait of a Healthy Family, I want to say thank you again to Patsy and to Tori for doing our posters. Don't they do a wonderful job? Yeah. So since we're going to be talking about a healthy family, most families, as we know, begins with marriage because, you know, every single one of us in this room, no matter what stage in life you're in, whether you're married or singled or widowed or uh, divorced, it does not matter, every single one of us has been touched by marriage, right? So I did a little poll in the first service, and we had a couple that had been married 70 years in the first service. So here, well, let's do it here. If you've been over, married over 20 years, please stand up. If you've been married over 20 years, please stand up. That's, that's a lot of us. Okay, 30 years. If you've been married 30 years, continue to stand. Wow, how about that? 40 years. That's going to sit some of us down, right? 50 years. Ooh, we got, we got, okay, 60 years. We got one couple standing back there. Sharon and Dennis. Hey, way to go. 60 years. How long has it been, Dennis? Or did I, should I ask Sharon, how long has it been? 60 on the nose. All right. Congratulations. 60 years. I won't tell you you've been married longer than I've been alive, but it's okay. <laughs> well, as we start our series, A Portrait of a Healthy Family, we are going to start with marriage. Because you know what? God created marriage, and God is the, the one that has told us that what our marriage should look like. And as you read both the Old and New Testament, you will notice that uh, God uses the married life as an analogy for his relationship with his church in the New Testament. And so uh, we're going to talk and begin our series with marriage, but we're going to talk about singleness. We're going to talk about being parents. We're going to talk about being grandparents. We're going to talk about being widowed. We're going to talk about a lot of things throughout our series. So I hope you will make plans now to come and be a part of the series that God has laid upon our hearts. So with all of that said, children were asked some questions about marriage and, and dating and, and the like, and so I found some of their answers. Are you ready for this? Question number one is how do you decide whom to marry? Alan, who is age 10, he says you got to find someone who likes the same stuff. Like if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports. And 
she should keep the chips and dips coming. <laughs> Kristen, also age 10, says no person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before. And you get to find out later who you're stuck with. <laughs> so what is the right age to get married? Camille, age 10, said 23 is the best age because you know the person forever by then. How can strangers tell if two people are married? Derek, age eight, said you have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> what do you think your mom and dad have in common? Lori, age eight, said both don't want any more kids. <laughs> what do most people do on a date? Lynette, eight years old, Dates are for having fun, and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. <laughs> Is that right, Briley? <laughs> Martin, age 10, said, on the first date, they just tell, you, tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go on a second date. What would you do on a first date that was turning sour? Craig, nine years old, said I'd run home and play dead. <laughs> the next day I would call the newspapers and make sure they wrote about me in all the dead columns. <laughs> when is it okay to kiss someone? Pam, age seven, says when they're rich. <laughs> Daddy's teaching her right, huh? Kurt, age seven, says the law says you have to be 18, so I wouldn't want to mess with that. Howard, age eight, says the rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, then you should marry them and have kids with them. It's the right thing to do. Is it better to be single or married? Anita, age nine, says it's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. How would the world be different if people didn't get married? Kelvin says, there sure would be a lot of kids to explain, wouldn't there? And the last one, how would you make a marriage work? Ricky, age 10, gives us this advice. Tell your wife that she looks pretty, even though she looks like a truck. So yes, I'm excited about our new series, A Portrait of a Healthy Family. Now, when we talk about family, believe it or not, in, in the Bible, uh, God starts the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 talking about marriage, and he ends the Bible in Revelation chapter 22 talking about marriage. There is an analogy in both of those places. And here in Genesis chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Genesis chapter 2, and we get a, a glimpse of God creating marriage and what he talks about. Now today, just an FYI, is going to be a big picture flyover. It's, this is going to be a, a, a view from 30,000 feet in the air, and then we'll narrow that view down as we go through our series. But today, we're going to look at a big picture of what marriage is like and why God created marriage and what it is supposed to be within our own homes. Now, when we start with marriage, we have to start with Adam. Adam and Eve, of course. Having created Adam in his own image, look in verse eight. 
It says, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So here, at the very beginning, God created, right? God created everything, but it says here, God created Adam, and after he created Adam, he put Adam in this garden. And now think about this garden. It was literally paradise on heaven. Think about in Adam's backyard, he had everything that you could imagine. He had every type of tree and fruit and nut to his, uh, it, it was everything there. God had created the Garden of Eden specifically for Adam. Adam had every kind of food that you could imagine he didn't have to worry about any of the beasts of the field to, to bother him. He didn't have to worry about bugs and mosquitoes. And there were no weeds at this time. There was nothing but perfectness for Adam. And God had created, and because of God's loving and kindness for Adam and for us, he created everything just suitable for Adam. I mean, he had it all. Can you imagine walking out in your backyard and picking a banana and a, and a a peanut, and you know, he had every kind of fruit at his disposal. He had it made. And just imagine this, when God created the Garden of Eden, he created it at just the right temperature. Adam never sweat. How about that? Wouldn't that be a great thing? He, it was perfect. It was perfectly suitable for him. God had provided for Adam everything in the world that Adam could ever want or need. He had everything a place that was not limited by progress. It was not spoiled because of sin. It was the perfect place. It was a paradise. Adam had free reign. He could live anywhere he wanted, use anything that he wanted, and eat anything that he wanted with one exception. Look at verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, God has created this paradise, the Garden of Eden for Adam. And he put everything at Adam's disposal. I mean, he could talk and play with the animals. No, he couldn't talk with the animals. But he could communicate somehow with the animals. They wouldn't bother him. He wouldn't bother them. He had every, every tree, every fruit-bearing uh, thing in the world at his he had it perfect except for one thing there was a tree in the middle of the garden and God said don't don't eat of that fruit you can have everything else he could have everything that you desire but not this Adam don't go there and here's the best part of Adam's uh, it was his relationship with God the Bible tells us in chapter 3 that Adam and Eve walked with God. Adam, in the beginning of time, when God created him, he had an intimate, loving relationship with God. He had fellowship with God like no one else has ever had. And here is Adam that has everything at his disposal, has everything that he needs, has everything that you can imagine even has a relationship with God that surpasses anything that we can know. And yet, there was one thing that caught his eye. And that was that fruit. But before we get to the fruit, guess what? There was something missing. He had everything, but there was something missing. Look in verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for 
it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So God, think back in Genesis chapter one, God created, what did he say? It was good. He created, it was good. He created, it was good. When he came to Adam and Eve, he said he, he created and it's very good. But now when he looks down at Adam and he says, listen, it's not good for him to be alone. I've created all of this. I made this perfect place. And notice whose idea is it? It's not Adam's idea of looking for a mate, right? It's God's idea. It's God's creation. Marriage is God's creation. It is his institution, no one else's. And he says that it's not good for the man to be alone, so I'm gonna make a helper fit for him. Look at verse 20. The man gives name to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. Now here's twice we see that word fit. See, Adam, he's naming all the animals as they come by. And he goes, you know what? That giraffe is not fit for me. That hippopotamus is not fit for me. That horse is not fit for me. Nor is that monkey an orangutan. Hmm. Look at verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up his place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam immediately recognized that she was fit for him. It wasn't the animals. It wasn't the dogs and the cats and the monkeys and the zebras. It was a woman. Therefore, a woman shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So we see here the very first marriage that God created. It was all God's idea. And look, turn back one page to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. I want you to notice here what it says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Who did God create in his own image? Was it just Adam? No, it was Adam and Eve he created in his image. And because we see God creating male first and then female, Eve second, he both created, he created both of them in his image. You know what that means? That male and female are equal in every way. That male and female are equal, that there is no hierarchy. And I know sometimes we like to think that, well, the man is supposed to be the head of the family and there's, there's this hierarchy in the, in the marriage. That is not true. God created us totally equal. But we do have different functions and roles. But before we get to those functions and roles, I want to show you something, what we learn in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2, that talks about our humanness, who we are as equal, equally created beings in the image of God. First of all, we have dignity. You should write that down. We have dignity. 
if man is created in the image of God, no one has the right to degrade or destroy human life, neither your own or someone else's. So we have dignity. This sets us apart from every other creature on the planet. God didn't create the monkeys in his image or the whales in his image. He created you and I in his image. And because of that, we have dignity. Our life is worth something because we are made in the image of Jesus Christ. And this principle is applied in every area of our life. It should be applied in social justice, in race relations, in sexual ethics, in abortion, in youth Asia, in any other subject you can think of. We are created in the image of God, therefore we have dignity. Number two, God gave mankind dominion. Not only are we created in his image that has dignity, but we uh, are we have dominion over the earth. You can look. It says we are to rule over the other created beings in chapter 1, verse 26, and we are to subdue the earth in chapter 1, verse 28, and man has been given dominion over both the plants and the animals in verses 2, 15 and 2, 20. It says that we are to have dominion over the whole earth. Human beings have the God-given authority to chop down trees, to build buildings, to start cities, to work land, and to domesticate animals. We have that God-given ability and right to do so. But we should do so with responsibility, yes? Number three, God made man and woman distinct. Notice. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2 highlights this difference by giving us the genders with separate names. Male and female, man and woman. One is called a helper for the other. Man and woman are created equal in the image of God, but our roles are clearly distinct. We have different functions And number four, notice the first thing God did after creating Adam and Eve, he was to bless them and he gave them a duty. He gave them a job. Do you know that job didn't, uh, work didn't come because of the fall? I often thought that. I wish that was the case, but it's not. God created work even before Adam and Eve ate the fruit. We see it here in verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. God has given us a duty. Our relationship between God, our relationship with God is not an autonomous relationship, right? Now, God has complete autonomy, but we do not. Our relationship is dependent on God. We depend on him to take care of us. We depend on him to bless us. We, take, uh, we depend on him for all the blessings and sustenance in life that he gives us. But not only that, we are accountable to God. We are to serve him. We are to be obedient to him. And furthermore, God's command concerning the tree of good and evil tells us that we have the capability to make moral choices that we have the ability to understand instruction and the responsibility to be obedient to his instruction. So if we disobey God, what does it say in verse 17? It says that we will surely die. And that's exactly what happened when they ate the fruit, yes? So you go, what does all this have to do with marriage? 
Well, that's a good question. In order for us to talk about the big picture of marriage, the way that God has created marriage, is we have to get an understanding that, number one, we are created, both male and female, in his image, and that we are equal in every and all ways. One uh, gender is not better or higher than the other gender. Adam recognized his aloneness, didn't he? And when he uh, recognized his, he said, listen, there, there's these animals and none of them look like me. There's not one that is suitable. And so what does God do? He recognizes his aloneness before Adam did. And, Adam, and God had already had a plan. And when he created Eve, it was again a picture of his kindness and love. God is always there to meet our needs. He is always there in those times when we don't understand, those times when we think we're in trouble. God is always there. And God met Adam's need by creating someone that would fit him, a helper that would fit him. Adam and Eve were different, but they have the same glorious purpose. Eve was the only suitable companion. I like Matthew Henry, he says this. He says, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected by him, and near his heart to be his beloved. Isn't that a great quote? That's the picture of marriage that God wants us to have. We are created to live in community. We are created to live in fellowship. You think about it, before Eve, God and Adam had a unique fellowship. They had a community. God created us in his, why did God create us in his image and not the animals? Why didn't he make the horse in his image? You know why? is because God created you and I to have a relationship with. He didn't create the horse to have a relationship with a horse or an ant to have a relationship with an ant. He created you to have a relationship with you, to have fellowship with you. He created you so that you could have intimacy with the God and creator of the entire universe and all of the universes yet discovered. God wants to have fellowship with you. The Bible tells in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship. God has called you into fellowship. For us living in the New Testament era, that fellowship comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants you to have a relationship with him and the only way to have that relationship, it's not by coming to church, it's not by putting some money in the plate, it's not by doing good acts or doing service for the church. The only way that you can have a fellowship with God is by trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone as your Lord and Savior. So God has created us in his image. 
And in part of that image is for us to have fellowship, not only with him, but we have a desire. It's innate in us that we have a fellowship with one another. And particularly, the one desire that we have is to have a fellowship, a relationship, intimacy with a person of the opposite sex. And he has done that through marriage. He has given us the desires of our heart through marriage to have that kind of relationship. Adam had the opportunity to name all the animals. You know, you're a skunk, right? <laughs> squeak, squeak, squeak. Oh, you're a mouse. Ooh, you're pretty fat. You're a hippopotamus, right? I don't know. But there was no one there fit for him. So God made a helper for him. The man and the woman belong together. They complete one another. They're different but they match. Have you noticed that? Their bodies fit together. Our bodies fit together, man and woman, heart to heart. They correspond. We're at ease with one another. We, we can see each other naked and not laugh. This is how God created us. Can you see the intimacy that God wants to have with you? When we talk about marriage relationship between a male and a female, a man and a woman, it is a picture of the relationship that God wants to have with you. He says, listen, you can stand bare before me and I won't giggle or laugh. I see you for who you are and I love you anyway, no matter what's going on, no matter the dimples or the stretch marks or the sin I see you, and I love you anyway. See, man and woman share in the human sameness that cannot be found elsewhere in all of creation, especially among the animals. In every way, the woman shares in the same features of personhood as does the man. This equality of the man and woman as image bearers of God has priority over all of our differences. So when we talk about the functions and the roles in, in the marriage relationship with the husband and the wife or with the male and female, we have to understand that we are equal. We are created in his image. See, this narrative moves beyond the initial assessment by specifying functional differences that exist between the man and the woman. Look what it says. It says that she is called Adam's helper. That word helper, it means one to give aid. It means one uh, to uh, support. Moses used the same word when he said that God was my helper when uh, God freed Israel from Egyptian rule. It's also the same word when you look in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Hebrew text, Old Testament, it's the same word that Jesus used when he says that there is another helper coming. Of course, that is the Holy Spirit. So it's the same word that's used in all of these places. It, there is no, in no sense derived from the word linguistically or from the context that the woman is a lesser person because her role differs from the man. Uh, in case of the biblical model, the helper of woman is an indispensable partner. Listen, the woman is required to achieve the commission that God has given us. What did he say? 
be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. How could we do that without our helper men? We could not do it, could we? So we need the woman in our lives. Helper in its Old Testament usage means the woman will, will play her part and will be important in our lives. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. God created the woman to make the man better, to make the man, uh, give him the ability to achieve all that God has called the man to achieve. And of course, the woman cannot achieve anything on her own either. We need one another. And notice God made woman fit. Some of your translations will say suitable. God created woman to fit man. Now, you've probably heard the saying that God created Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve, right? Well, this is a perfect example. Listen, God created us to fit. We are to function together. Um, it's relevant in the world that we live in, isn't it? Because we live in a world that says that it's okay to be homosexual. It's okay to be transgender. It's okay to LGBTQ, RSZY, I don't know. It's okay, right? And, and it goes against, and here's the thing, is the people that, uh, that claim that they're homosexual and those people that say that they're transgender, they say these things, and they say that we're being mean when we, we tell them that this is not the way that they live. But in all honesty, we're being truthful and honest and loving when we tell someone that this is what the Word of God says. And when we see the Word of God, he created male and female that fit together. He didn't create Adam and Steve or Eve and Evie. He created male and female. And he created the very first marriage Marriage is instituted by God. There's only two things in all of the world that is instituted by God, and it is marriage and it is the Christian church. And you think about that. When you read the New Testament, how many analogies of the marriage and church? We see the bride of Christ, right? He's going to be our groom. We see the marriage supper of the Lamb. We see all of these images and pictures of what it will be for the church when we are raptured into heaven, whenever that might take place. We are the actual bride of Christ. And he wants us to be spotless and without blemish. And because of his relationship with us and our relationship with him, we are cleansed whiter than snow. And he has made us whole and purely, uh, holy and pure. And so when we think about that relationship between God and man, God and church person, we think of this beautiful thing. We think about that relationship. We think about that oneness and that togetherness that, we're, that we have with Christ. And listen, our marriage here on this earth is just a picture of that. It's the greatest analogy. You think about Sharon and Dennis have been married 60 years. They wouldn't have been married 60 years if they didn't communicate with one another. 
They wouldn't be married 60 years if, if he didn't like her very much or she didn't like him very much. If there wasn't some, uh, some times when they have some troubles, sure. Maybe they had a fight or two along the way or a hundred, right, Dennis? But here's the thing. They committed to one another. They stayed married. They communicated. They loved each other. They have intimacy and a relationship. All of those things that makes a marriage healthy, God wants to have that same relationship with you. He wants you to know him intimately and personally. He wants you to to communicate with him. And whether you've been a Christian all of your life or just for uh, a few months, God wants your relationship with him. Well, there's a lot of moving around. God wants a relationship that is intimate. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to be in community with you. And whether you've been in a a relationship with him for a minute or for years, how's your relationship doing right now? Do you hurry through your quiet time? Do you you read your, your, your Bible as quick as you can so you can get to the next thing, so you can start your day? Or do you soak in his presence? How's your prayer life? Is it lingering or is it as quick as you can? See, when we talk about the marriage relationship and we see this big picture, God created marriage. He created it so that we would have an earthly example of the same relationship he wants to have with us. So how's your relationship with him? Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about having intimacy. We're going to talk about what it means to to be a good husband, a good father, a good mom, a good wife. We're going to talk about singleness. We're going to talk about how to be the best grandparent we can be. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. And as we do, I pray that you would come and be a part of that that you would come and, and just soak in what it means to be a healthy family, no matter your life situation, young or old, single or married or divorced or widowed. Come and see what God has to say about a healthy family. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for creating marriage that is a picture of your relationship with us. And I pray, God, that we would have that intimate fellowship that you would desire for us to have with you. Father, now as we come into this invitation time, uh, I pray, God, that whether someone needs to trust in Christ or join the church, that they would step out and that you would be honored. And I pray, Father, for those of us who have been believers for some time, and maybe we're not as intimate as we should be with you. Maybe our relationship has taken a back seat over some other things. 
pray, God, now that you would move, that we would see Jesus. In his name we pray. Let's stand together and sing.